Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys, for coming to RUF. Uh, I know that it's a cold and dark day, and maybe you've been on Zoom a lot already, or Cisco WebEx, or whatever it is you're on these days, so I appreciate you making the time to come and be part of this community, and um, my hope, our hope for RUF is that this would be a place where uh, you might know more of who Jesus is, that you might grow in your faith and, and come to serve and kind of join us in making RUF about reaching the campus and uh, equipping others to uh, draw near to Jesus and serve him as well. So um, to do that, to be the community we want to be, uh, we're about Jesus. And so we look to the Bible each at everything we do, our large groups, small groups. And uh, this semester we're doing something kind of cool and neat, I think. I'm enjoying it so far, which is that we're, rather than like going through a section of the Bible consecutively, we're uh, looking at different topics and we're using the Apostles' Creed as our kind of outline. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, which there is now a link to in the chat, is an ancient church creed. It's a statement of faith. And one of the cool things about it is it unites Christians all over the world. A lot of different Christian traditions uh, come together and affirm that like, this is like, you got to believe this stuff. Uh, This is like the heart of the Christian faith. And, um, you know, it starts out with this statement, I believe. And Uh, Some of you, if you've been around RUF, you've heard me say, one way to think about what faith is and what it means to believe is that it's like walking on ice, uh, which you can do now because there's all these frozen ponds and rivers and streams and lakes everywhere. And I want you to think about that experience of walking on ice because on a frozen pond, because if you're like me and you've done that, you sometimes wonder like, am I going to fall through? And... What I want us to see is that being held up has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with the ice, uh, the ice you're on. And so uh, I want us to think of the creed in that, you know, like as you think about faith in your own faith, uh, what's the ice that's holding us up? Uh, And I want to suggest to you that it's what's in the creed and the creed that we're going to look at focuses primarily on Jesus. Uh, So it's Jesus. And my hope is that, you know, if you're new to Christianity, that you might grow in understanding who Jesus is and what he's all about. And for those of us that have been around a while, uh, that we might grow in confidence and our commitment and that we might serve more as we spend time meditating just on tonight on who Jesus is. Because we're looking at the second uh, clause of the Apostles' Creed which says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Uh, And to do that, we're going to look at this text, a short little text from the book of Hebrews. Uh, We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. 
and it's coming up on the screen. There we go. Um, so this is a letter. This is like a, it's kind of like a sermon letter, the very beginning of it. And it's written to Christians in Rome that are from a Hebrew or Jewish background uh, in the Roman Empire. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Um, One of the most uh, kind of popular authors of the last 20 years or so is Malcolm Gladwell. Anybody read a Malcolm Gladwell book before? Uh, He writes all, all his books are like New York Times bestsellers, and they're all basically like this neat little idea that he turns into like a whole book and, uh, you know, a new way to think about some concept. And uh, a while back, he wrote this book called Outliers. And the big idea in that book, Outliers, was like, how do you become great? And, uh, you know, he kind of popularized this idea of the 10,000 hour rule, which is that like, if you want to be great at anything, you have to practice it for 10,000 hours. So he looked at like the Beatles or Bill Gates or, you know, all these different great kind of people that are just great at what they do. And he was like, look, like if you add up the time, like they practice for 10,000 hours. And uh, since then, some people actually say it's a lot more. Like if to be a great like symphony orchestra musician, I was reading some people were saying like 40,000 hours of practice is what it's going to take. Uh, to get to that point, to be like the elite. And uh, Hebrews is a long sermon. uh, And it's about, you know, it's written to these Christians in Rome. And it's about enduring faithfully despite the cost. Um, You know, these are Christians in Rome. So the cost for them would have been potentially death, right? Or being... Uh, forced to fight in a gladiator match or just being crucified or put to death in some other way or totally ostracized. Uh, And that was, at that time, like the very real cost potentially of following Jesus, identifying with him. Uh, Today, we bear a cost too. Many Christians today in other parts of the world still bear that cost. Uh, Here, we bear other costs like... uh, We sacrifice time when we uh, follow Jesus. We prioritize different things. We might look foolish or stupid or even malicious, depending on who you talk to in our culture. Uh, There's a lot of challenges, uh, different challenges, but still challenges of being a Christian today. There's a cost. And so uh, I want us to think about that question of how we can endure when our instinct is to bail. And the answer that this passage gives, the whole book of Hebrews actually gives, is you can endure because Jesus is worth it. You can endure, you can bear the cost because Jesus is everything. And so I just want us to think about like on a, on a like core level, who is Jesus? What does the creed say? What does the Bible say? 
And the first thing it says is that, is that he's God's son. And we're immediately presented with this idea of the Trinity. I don't know if you've ever thought about the Trinity. It's a little confusing, right? Uh, how it all fits together. But the, the big idea is that God is one God and he's three persons and the persons are distinct. So there's no like mixing of the persons. There's no crossing over, but they're actually three distinct persons. So a lot of the ways that people try to explain it actually fall short. Because I don't know if you ever heard this, but some people say like, well, Lucas, like you're a, you're a father and you're a son and you're an uncle. And that's kind of how the Trinity works. And it's like, well, no, not really. Cause I'm like all those things, like I'm this, I'm one person though. Those are, those aren't persons or some people will be like, well, water is ice and, you know, it can be solid or liquid or steam. It can be gas. And, you know, that doesn't work either because it can't be those things at the same time. And so I have a diagram ready here. Yeah, here we go. Um, you know, this doesn't explain it all, but th- this is like, you know, as close as we can get to putting in a diagram what the Trinity is, which is that, you know, God is God. He is one and God is three persons and the spirit is not the father and the father is not the son. They're distinct. And each one is God. And if that doesn't make total sense to you, if you can't wrap your mind completely around that, that is okay. Um, But that is what the Bible teaches about who God is. And so Jesus is the son. He's the second person of the Trinity. It says God is spoken by his son. Um, So these are amazing claims, right? In this passage we read, it talks about Jesus being God himself. Uh, He's our Lord, the creed says. Uh, Verse two of the passage we read says that God created the world through Jesus. Uh, It says the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature is who Jesus is. It says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he's also called the Christ. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when, you know, growing up, maybe you thought Jesus uh, was his first name and Christ was his last name. Uh, It's not his last name. Uh, It's a word that means anointed. Uh, He is the anointed one. And in the Bible, three kinds of people were anointed. A prophet, a priest, and a king. And Jesus is all three. Uh, He's the prophet to end all prophet and the priest to end all priests and the king to end all kings. And that's how I want us to look at this passage tonight and this idea of who Jesus is at his core. Um, He's the prophet, priest, and king. So first of all, the prophet. He's the prophet to end all prophets. A prophet is a spokesperson for God. So a prophet in the Old Testament would be someone who would say like, Thus says the Lord, and you would listen to him uh, because he would speak for God on God's behalf. He was the mouthpiece of God. That's what it meant to be a prophet. And so if someone said something and it wasn't true or it didn't come to pass, that would be the first way to know like, yo, this person is not from God. Uh, And in our passage that we read, it talks about like God in many ways, many, many times and in many ways, he spoke through prophets. And in these last days, he's spoken through his son. Uh, it's pretty cool. 
what it's saying is we live in the last days. Like these are the last days. Uh, there's now no knowledge that was meant for us that we don't have access to. Uh, Jesus is the final, not just the final messenger, he's the final message. Uh, If you know Jesus, if you interact with him through the word, the Bible, uh, you know what you need to know about God and what he's up to and what he's like. And obviously you can always go deeper. Like you can't plumb the depths of just the amazing intricacy of who he is, Uh, but it's all there laid out for us in the word. Uh, there's, no, there's no hidden message though. Uh, there's no secret knowledge that only like certain people have access to. It's all there for us, uh, which means uh, we need to immerse ourselves in the Bible, guys. Like this is why, like this idea is why we read the Bible every week at RUF instead of some other inspirational thing or some other text. Uh, This is why we do small group Bible studies in addition and reading groups. And this is why we're just encouraging each other over and over to read uh, the Bible and learn how, if you don't know how, that's what we want to do together uh, because we access Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And when you access Jesus, you're accessing Everything important, everything that's crucial to understanding God in this world. Uh, so he's the prophet to end all prophets, but he's also the priest to end all priests. Uh, and the second part of verse three in the passage we read, uh, it said that uh, Jesus made purification for sins. Uh, which is what a priest would do in the Old Testament. The, a priest was kind of like a intermediary between God and man. And so uh, he would make sacrifices on behalf of the people. And there was a sacrificial system for how we deal with sin and guilt. And the way you did was through sacrifice. And the priest was the one in charge of that. And uh, at the time, like, so the people reading this letter to the Hebrews would have uh, been dealing with this idea that like, you know, it's kind of hard though because I sin and then uh, I, there's, you know, my sin is atoned for through sacrifice, but then I sin again and then I need it to be forgiven again. And then I sin again. And by the way, like the priest keeps changing because like there's no priest that lasts forever. And, you know, our version of that dilemma is kind of like the treadmill we all live on. You ever feel like life is just a treadmill? Uh, maybe it's just that like, you know, I finished last semester, but then like immediately I was just thinking about the next one or I got this task done, but they're just piling up and I'm thinking about where I stand in life. And every time I get to a milestone, there's just another one that I need to get to and I can never stop. Uh, It's this, you know, when we question where we stand uh, at every step we take. Um, Jesus makes all the difference in the world with that struggle, with the struggle of like, have I ever, will I ever arrive or will I just keep walking? Uh, Jesus made purification for sin on the cross by taking our place on the cross. And as he dies, he says something amazing. He says, it is finished. Uh, Jesus as priest means that like your rebellion today, your shortcoming today, your failure today has been taken care of. 
uh, through Jesus, you can relate to the God who made you as if all that failure and sin and stuff isn't there anymore. And what that means is you can get off whatever treadmill you're on and be okay. You can rest. I wonder, have you truly rested lately? Do you ever, if you're like me, sometimes you lay down at the end of the day and what starts to go through your mind? Like, did I do enough today? Or, oh no, I didn't. I definitely didn't do enough. I'm such a failure. Or look at all these people around me as I scroll through my feed that are doing more than me. Uh, How bad am I? Jesus is your priest means you can be free of that. You don't need to live like that at all. Your heart can be at rest. You can rest in his love for you instead. So, you know, we're about seven days into the semester, I think. Uh, Maybe you're already worn out. And I want to invite you to come to Jesus and rest. Uh, Not just lay down and sleep, but actually when you lay down and sleep, uh, rest. Uh, Don't forget that he has come, that he has purified you already. Uh, So he's the priest to end all priests. Uh, Finally, he's the king to end all kings. Uh, Verse three says that he upholds everything in the world by the word of his power. It says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's just this picture of like a conquering king being done with his work and being in charge of everything. Um, And the implication is, like, if he is the king, then we need to listen to him. There's actually a story, and and three of the Gospels tell this story of Jesus taking three of his disciples up on a mountain. It's called the Transfiguration. And he brings them up, and he starts to glow. And it's the glory of God. Like, he's kind of, like, showing them, like, this is what I'm actually like when I'm in heaven. And he's glowing and there's this glory radiating off of him. And there's this uh, voice. It's the sound. It's the father, God, the father speaking audibly in the midst of this like glowing cloud. And he says to the disciples, he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Uh, I have a friend, a good friend of mine. And uh, he was telling me a while back about a fly fishing trip that he took. And he went with his dad. They went to Colorado. There's a lot of good fly fishing there. I've never fly fished in my life. I don't really know much about it, but I've heard that it's hard. You know, you have to learn pretty steep learning curve. And so they got a guide to take them fly fishing. And he said it was amazing. And the reason it was amazing was because like the guides are people that like grew up on the rivers and they just know everything about like what fish is going to be where at what time and where the good spots are. And they do all the work for you too. So they like tie all the flies and get your hook right and take it off the fish off the hook. And so my friend was like, we just had the best time because we just fished and fished and fished. And we were just like, we just did what we were told by the guide and it like totally worked. And we just had a blast fishing. Uh, and it was so great because all we had to do is listen. Life can be like that. Uh, life can be great because all you have to do is listen. Uh, let Jesus guide you. 
He's the one who knows exactly where things are supposed to go, when things are supposed to happen, how things are supposed to work in this world. Uh, Even when it seems wrong to us, he knows. Listen to him. I wonder, what are the areas of your life where you're just really not looking to or listening to Jesus at all? Jesus is your king means... You know, when we're thinking about, well, how should I spend my time? Look to Jesus. Uh, how should I spend my money? Look to Jesus. Like, who should I date? What does Jesus say? Uh, what do I pursue in life? How do I make decisions? What does Jesus say? Uh, listening to Jesus doesn't mean your life won't be hard. Remember the early Christians that this text is written to. But it does mean your life will be good. So he's the king to end all kings. But there's one more unique thing that this passage says about Jesus. It says that Jesus, that God appointed Jesus, made him heir of all things. I wonder if you've thought about that idea, Jesus being Jesus the Son, heir of all things. Uh, What's the point of Jesus being heir of all things? This is the most amazing thing about Jesus, actually, uh, because Jesus is the heir of all things. Uh, and he's the heir of all things because God ulti- what God ultimately wants is to make you and me co-heirs with Jesus. Co-heirs of all things. He wants to bring us in. He wants to change your status from rebel and wanderer and failure to co-heir with Jesus. Jesus's siblings that are co-heirs. He wants to change your status to that. Uh, When I was in middle school, everyone remember middle school? Middle school was a tough time, right? A lot of changes going on. And uh, when I was in middle school, Uh, One cool thing that happened was I got into music and I formed a band. And my in my middle school, like the big thing each year was the talent show near the end of the year. And uh, when I was in eighth grade, I formed this band and we were called Tape, and just one word, Tape. And uh, we tried out for the talent show and we got in and we played a song by Blink One Eighty Two. Blink-182 was brand new back then. This is like 1998, guys. That like pop punk sound is just taking off. Uh, We're playing the song and we're doing a pretty good job too. So like we play in this talent show. Like it's like practices, all these like, you know, a lot goes into this talent show. And we play and it was amazing because me and the guys in my band, the guys in tape, our status changed instantly like in this school, middle school world, right? Like we were actually like sitting, we were like, whoa, like we're cool now. (laughs) It didn't last that long, but like for a moment we were just like, girls like us now. Like this is weird, you know? And it happened because of the song, because of the performance and our status changed just like that. Um, Jesus came to permanently change your status. He already has the status and he can also share the status uh, because he's already died in your place and rose from the dead. I want to ask you, are you living like you have Jesus's status? 
Or are you constantly just living like you're on the precipice of losing God's love? Like God's had it with you and he's just going to kick you out. Think about what life could be like if you lived with Jesus' status. Think about how anxiety would decrease. Think about how much easier it would be to just patiently wait. Uh, Think about how much more vulnerable you could be with friends. Think about how much kinder you could be with just everyone. But there's a cost. We live in a time called these last days when not everyone has acknowledged who Jesus is. So there's a cost. So for now, living this out is going to be hard. And there's going to be a cost. How can you bear it? Jesus is worth it. Jesus is everything. Let me pray that he would be everything to us. Uh, Father, we pray that, I pray that each of us would just see Jesus as more beautiful uh, tonight than ever. And that we would continue to see his beauty. Uh, We pray that We'd be transformed as we come to know this Jesus, uh, that we, you'd make us uh, confident and resilient and faithful and humble uh, because we know this Jesus. And we pray that our lives would be what they were meant to be. Uh, guide us and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.